I'm Jordan Ferguson. And I'm Kate McKinnon. And you are listening to the Geek Down Podcast. What's up, y'all? Welcome back to another fantastic episode of the Geek Down Podcast. This is a show where two friends sit in front of microphones and try to find the sweet spots where their fandoms intersect. My name is Jordan Ferguson. I am in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, and joining me on the other line, the DJ Khaled playing guitar of podcasts. It's your girl, Caitlin McKinnon. It's a real tip flapper. That one will really flap your titties, friends. This is episode 260 of the Geek Down Podcast. If you would like to listen to any of our other 259 episodes, you just head over wherever you get your audio content. Spotify, SoundCloud, Google, Apple, or Stitcher. If you're on Spotify, if you click that little bell in the corner by the Geek Down Podcast, not only will you follow and subscribe, you will get notifications that a new episode has arrived directly to your home screen. But even if you don't have Spotify, you'll always get notifications that a new episode has arrived because you hear the chimes on the wind of the arrival of the person who brings those podcasts directly to your device because you don't have to do anything. There's no more work for you. He shoulders that mantle for you, and that's your man's. Chauncey, Rostelicus, the third geek down internet elf, sitting upon an alicorn. Magically. A rainbow-maned alicorn named Philip. He's going to slide on Yay. through and just, I told you never to do that. <laughs> just going to sprinkle <laughs> those episodes directly into your device. You are welcome, listeners. If you would like He's to. He's happy to do it. If you would like to share how pleased you are with how easy we make this process for you or whatever's on your mind, head on over to twitter.com slash geekdownpod. That is where the show lives on the social meds. It is the only place the show lives on the social meds. Get up off Twitter. Because we are not getting a TikTok anytime soon. We are content. To just no, we're too old for TikTok. Sit over here. If we here. get a TikTok, it'll break our hips. I, yeah, I'd throw my hip out if I tried to do a TikTok. You think I'm going to dance yeah. on TikTok? Come on now. Yeah, my knee. I have a bad knee. It's just, it's going to fail. My hips. I'm going down. My hips been wonky all week. Like, if I, if I tried to twerk at this point, I would literally catch on fire. Like... Yeah, I did. I did one of those little dances, you did like what? the hand dances. Oh, the hand dances! And and I, I, I almost died. <laughs> you dislocated a finger. It was terrible. It it was harrowing. I had to like crack my my spine a little. <laughs> Friends, if you like, if you like to support this endeavor financially, head on over to ko ficom pod. PayPal or credit card, three bucks in the tip jar. We always appreciate it. Not necessary, but appreciated. If you're feeling charitable with the approach of the holiday season, it's a very weird time we're coming to right now because we are officially entering Crapathon. As you're hearing this, it is the best time of the year. For me, it's November, which means we deliberately watch bad things. But it's actually the day of Halloween as we are recording this. So my mood is all askew, Caitlin. Wonky? I don't want to say wonky. Wonky's overused, but it's askew. I'm askew. I'm spoopy, but I'm crappy, and I'm also looking to festive. Like, it's just, it's just a, it's a weird amalgam of, of moods I'm in right now. You know what you should do when you're in that type of uh, skewed perspective? Mm. You should eat candy. I always find that helps. <laughs> Caitlin, I have other things to eat because I have a story, y'all. Caitlin, oh, I, went to a, I went to a magical place yesterday, Caitlin. I hopped in a vehicle with my friend Pops. And we headed north 
to a whimsical, magical place called Markham. Wow. Friends, Markham is a northern uh, suburb of Toronto uh, in the area I affectionately call past the wall, which is basically anything north of the uh, provincial highway, the 401. Yes. <laughs> anything north of that. If We've talked about this before. If your party's north of St. Clair, it's hard enough for me to get me to go. But if it's like north of the 401, bleh, nope. No, nope. not happening. That's where the subline line ends, y'all. That's <laughs> It ain't happening. Um, but I had heard tell in years past of a magical place out there called J-Town. It's a Japanese mall. Ah, yes. And I went there because it, it had been my birthday a couple weeks ago. Pops wanted to take me out. What a good friend you are, Pops. Thank you. And we headed out there, and we went to J-Town. And Kate? Yeah. It was just okay. <laughs> oh, I thought it was going to be amazing. It's been very cloudy and drizzly this weekend, so that probably had something to do with it. I mean, like, the, the frontage was uh, the vibe. It's a little, like, open. It's basically just, like, a path, and then there's, like, stores and places on each side. And the interior decorating is not uh, the best. It's a real, like, warehouse kind of setup indoors. Um, right. uh, but we did... Oh, Kate, there was, uh, what's it called? Tanuki Bakery, I believe it was called. Mm-hmm. All the breads. All the breads. Oh. Kate. I love bread. I got a fucking melon pan sitting in my fridge right now, waiting for me when this podcast what? is over. So we got to get this moving, because I got a melon pan and a chocolate cornet in there. What? You heard me. <laughs> and that's not even all I had, I... because Pops and I split a Katsudon sandwich when we left, and each oh. had a curry sausage bun. <laughs> Oh my god! On our way to the next place we went, which was First Markham Place. Pops knows the area far more than I do, so he's like, "Let's go here." And we went through. It's it seems to be like the rival to the Pacific Mall. Friends, the Pacific Mall is like the behemoth of um, East Asian commerce in the Toronto area. It's a huge mall mm-hmm. in the classic style, where the stores I'm liberally using quotes are basically just like kind of glorified stalls with chicken wire. Um, it's great. It is great. and But I'd been there before, and Pops wanted to take me somewhere I hadn't been. So we went to First Markham Place, which is a much more traditional sort of mall uh, scenario. And then we went to a dim sum place. And remember how we felt last week, Caitlin? Yes. I'm a little better because this was yesterday, and we are recording today. But I still have residual <laughs> dim sum effects. We're borderline <laughs> TFTP right now. Oh, that's not good. That's two weeks in a row. Dr. Linda going to look. At, <laughs> Dr. Dr. Linda. Dr. Linda going to look at my diary for the for the month of October into November, and it's just going to be like a cloudy murk, like you know, you know the nothing and never ending story. Like that's just what she's going to look at it, and it's just going to be like <laughs> like spirals and cyclones and lightning bolts. It's just all it's going to be. And she's like, "Where you haven't logged anything? I don't know what to tell you." <laughs> there was no you. point, Dr. Linda. Crab soup dumplings, Dr. Linda. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> they they weren't in the app. I could not I could not log them. Efficiently, turns out, uh, you know, Markham spicy sour soup is not uh, not easily listed, and I don't know what's in it. I just know it's delicious. So that's the best type of food. <laughs> At one point, Pops like keeps keeps asking for water, and he's like, "I swear to God, I got diabetes." Like for all this water I'm drinking, I was like, "Oh, or it could be like your dinner of sodium you just had." <laughs> Literally, everything was loaded hey, with sodium. SMG is amazing. You mean MSG? Yes, MSG is amazing. Um, also, Caitlin, you'll appreciate this. This is me officially owning, um, my elderliness. 
In my day, zeppelins fell from the sky like raindrops. Because I worked 5 a.m. to 1 p.m. And I met up with Pops and went to J-Town. And then we walked around uh, First Markham Place, which has a claw machine arcade in it. So uh, <gasps> pencil that in. Yes. for You have to book a time to get in. So uh, pencil me in 2022, y'all. We're going back to the claw machine arcade. <laughs> We're getting all the Line Friends plushies in here. <laughs> Nobody leaves until you get a Line Friends plushie. And then by the time we were settled down at the at the uh, dim sum place, I was like, man, what time is it? And I looked and I said, Pops, I'm not even going to lie. This is my favorite time to go out to eat. It was 3.30 in the afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that is oh, we're so the old. best time for dinner. <laughs> My first thought was, that's a great time for dinner. I want dinner at 3.30 and bed by 7. That's what I want. That's not the only good news coming up. In one week, my senior citizen ponytail kid is coming in the mail. So it was a great outing. If you were in the Toronto area, we had to pick a place because they're so... He took me... (laughs) Pops drove around the parking lot so I could survey all the restaurants that are surrounding First Markham Place. They are doing it out in Markham. There was a Japanese burger joint, which I wanted to check out. But, I mean, there was I, I only have so much space in – there's only so much space in there, Caitlin. That's the problem when you love food too much is that you love all the food and you can't fit all the food in you. <laughs> it's like I will – as established, it's north of the wall. How am I ever getting back there again? I'm not just going to decide one random day. Oh, I think I'll swing by the Japanese burger joint. No, that's going to be an all-day affair if I ever try to do it. It will require multiple transit transfers <laughs> if I yeah. were to ever attempt that. Um, but also, downtown Toronto core, no more Dave's Hot Chicken. Get me the fucking Binzi burger joint or whatever the hell it was called. Get that down here. Anyway, so that'll conclude the food down portion of uh, this program with Jordan Gate. News, there's nothing. You know there's nothing. There's never there really anything. isn't. But there is one thing. You're out there, you're wondering. You're always wondering. You ask me all the time. I'm out in these streets. You hit me up. Once again, you stop me in these streets. You grab me by the shoulders and you shake me. And you say, Jordan, what did you think of that bebop thing? The official trailer dropped last week. And we have now seen it, seen it. And... I say, okay. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. That's really all you can say about it is just if you, as Kate said last week, I believe, and I'm slowly wrapping my head around is just it, accept that it will not be the anime, that the anime is the anime and it will be superior and you will always like the anime better. Oh yeah. So don't even mm-hmm. go into it thinking that it will come anywhere close. Like, especially for someone like me where this is like so foundational, like shit. I just found out that, um, uh, what Steve Bloom and Bo Billingsley, the English spicy spike and jet were at fan expo uh, a couple weekends ago. And I was legit like, Oh, <laughs> like I, I, would, I don't, you know, I don't give a shit about English voice actors, but those two, I was kind of like, Oh, that would have been fun because <laughs> they were so good in those roles. The anime meant that much to me and it's all on Netflix now, uh, BT dubs. So if you want to go check out the full 26 episode anime series and the movie, uh, those are both on Netflix now. 
for compare and contrast purchases. Maybe you watch it and you're like, Jordan, you're fucking nuts. The live action was way better. Uh, you can let me know that in a couple of weeks when it drops on November 19th. Um, yeah, the, no, guys, that's that's a trick. He's just trying to filter out his friends. Don't say that to him. <laughs> you will all be, you will all be branded and you will be put in a uh, filter list on all my contacts. <laughs> And all of your, all of your forthcoming correspondence will be screened. Um, no, it looks, it looks fine. Um, I maintain what I said last time. I think, um, Mustafa Shakir is crushing it as Jet. Um, I think he's just got that down. I'm still not, then people going to get mad. I'm still not sold on show as Spike. I need to really, really mm-hmm. see it. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know what it is. I'm just so attached to both the Japanese and English uh, animated depiction of the character that I'm still, I'm still waiting to, to see that. And I'm a little more sold on, uh, the actress playing Faye, uh, enough to, <laughs> enough to follow her on Instagram. Cause she's really passionate about this project. And even when you go on the bebop Netflix, Instagram account, she's always in the comments, just like bigging it up. So it's like, you know what? You like this stuff so much. You can have, so you, you, can have you can have the follow. Um, um go ahead. Quick question mm. for someone who not, Okay, so I I watched it freaking years ago. Yeah. Um, And I did a mix of English and Japanese Mm. um, because I did not watch it one sitting. (laughs) Um, If someone, say senior correspondent Chris, was going to watch it, should he watch the English version or the Japanese version? For lowest barrier to entry, I would say English. It's one of... The few that from jump, even back then, even back in the day, because you got to remember the show came out back in the sub V dub wars where you had to pick. Yep. You didn't have both options. You were buying VHS. So you were making, you were staking your, staking your spot on either the sub or dub hill. Um, that's how, <laughs> that's how it was back then when the earth was young friends, <laughs> you had to pick which two episode per tape, uh, library you were going to build. <laughs> <laughs> all, all 13 tapes lying in my shelves. Oh, Lord. Um, yeah, from Jump, early reviews were like, this is an impeccable English voice cast. And they have got the characters. And the only one I would say didn't quite nail it was the English Ed. Um, I thought the Japanese Ed was better. But other than that, I don't think... Even when I got DVDs and did that nerd thing where like you put the Japanese the English subs on, with the English dialogue. Um, right. Not a lot of liberties taken with the dialogue. All reads pretty straight compared to what the subs were. But I think I think ultimately Steve Bloom did that thing that is very hard to do. I think he owns that role for most of the English-speaking audience. Like, I don't think... I had to look up today because I remembered... I was curious and I remembered that... I thought he had also done the voice of uh, Kaji from Evangelion. But, like, nobody, most people who are fans of Bebop could not tell you that uh, Kyoji Amadera did the voice of Spike. But they all know Steve Bloom, you know? Right. So I think if you're coming new to it, it's not going to increase the barrier to entry. Sometimes I've given you anime. We will recall the Utena dub. Like, (laughs) (laughs) I've given you... Caitlin has seen older anime or anyone can watch older anime with nineties dubs. And it's like, ew, <laughs> it's, ew. Not, it's, not, it's not good. Um, 
but Bebop never had never had that problem. So I think I think it's fine to go in with the uh, with the English voice acting okay. on that one. Um, although I gotta say, uh, like they've been throwing up more promo ish, uh, images on the Instagram account, and all I'm gonna say, no spoilers. Why well, you got John Cho doing bang to the camera? Don't do that. Don't do that. That's rude. <laughs> it's rude. <laughs> Don't do that to me. Anyway, that's like I said, November nineteenth. That's dropping. This will probably be. We'll try to not talk about it every week, but it will probably be the bebop cast <laughs> the bebop down the bop down for the next uh month after that drops as i slowly make my way through it you're gonna be day and date on that or are you gonna are you in any rush to see it when it drops um okay no because there are five thousand things coming out in november and 5, december thousand things well what what are you amped for kate tell us what you're amped about that's geeking down um i'm really amped for the final season of lost in space Oh, things I did not even know were coming. Um, the Witcher's coming out. Uh, the Wheel of Time is coming out. Okay, pa- pause, um, pause right there. Pause right there. Yeah, let's yeah, talk, yeah, yeah. Let's talk about this. Are we amped for the Wheel of Time? Um, I didn't read the books. I was like, that was one fantasy series. Well, I got warned away from it by so many people because they would be like, oh, yeah, I really love Wheel of Time, but there's like 40 books. <laughs> and it just keeps on going. And I'm like, ooh, no, thank you. So I never started it, and apparently that was a good, a good thing. Um, and but the series looks great; like it looks really, really good. It looks like Game of Thrones level production, but with more magic, which is kind of what I always was frustrated with with Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. Um, now, Witcher filled that spot as well, um, but and Witcher is something I I haven't played the games, I didn't read the books. Um, and, but I really enjoyed so, and that's coming back. Um, yeah, so I am excited. I'm excited for any good fantasy because for so long there was just bad fantasy. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm excited for those things. Because, um, the most consistent man ever, uh, who I work with, Wheel of Time is his jam. So when we got this, uh, we got this companion book in, I was like, Asking him all these questions, I'm like, okay, so break it down for me. Like, let's let's talk about this. I'm like, who's, who's this bird ass dude? Why is he? Why is why is the dude? Because they had all like the fully painted covers, like in full double page spreads of the original like painted covers. And these friends, we're talking like hardcore fantasy like painting covers from like back yes. in the eighties, nineties type of shit. Um, I was like, he doesn't. Did he level up? Why is he sleeveless now? Is he punching people? Is he going to punch that bird man? <laughs> Friends, if you're new, I love to ask really uh, dumb questions that I know are dumb to people who are passionate about things I know nothing about. Uh, yes, he does. Oh boy, do I. Go back and listen to me ask Kate anything about Star Wars. Um, <laughs> and he was like, there should have been more punching in this book. But I asked him, I was like, so if Bezos just lets it run, if they're like, fuck the ratings, fuck the critical acclaim, we are doing this. How many seasons is this going to take? Because friends, it was a eight, it was a fourteen book series. Dude died before yeah. before it ended, before he finished. And these are these are thick <laughs> books. They, like they are chunky boys. Like yeah. And he said, as a man who has probably read them multiple times, he he's like, well, if they do a book a season, I'm like, my god, my guy, nobody is signing up for fourteen years of something. 
Like, no, bring that down. He's like, well, if you bear, if you bear in mind that <laughs> a television show can basically get you in a room and then you're in the room and we don't have to have 15 pages describing the teas that are being served and the type of teas and where they came from and what people are wearing. Like if you can just see that in a second without having to read 20 pages about it, you can probably get it down to eight by eight seasons. Yeah. I was like, Oh my, between Robert Jordan and his teas and, and, uh, George R. R. Martin and his pies, like fuck dudes just love going down meanders about fucking food and drink yep i mean listen it's it's actually one of the things i love the most about the red wall series <laughs> so, i say this as someone who just spent you know the first 15 minutes of his own show talking about food i get it but <laughs> it, the, no it, the problem is though in any show with food or drink or a book or any kind of media i am that person who immediately needs to have a snack Oh God! So you I not- am blaming. I'm blaming fantasy novels for my weight. <laughs> you, That's what I'm doing. You don't want to be in here when Jordan starts watching old Iron Chefs on YouTube. Oh, it's a bad. It's yeah, a bad scene. It's hard. Uh, mm-hmm. So Wheel of Time is probably what you're most amped for, or no, you're super amped for um, Lost in Space. Lost in Space for sure. It's been so good, and the production's been fantastic, and. I really, really enjoyed it. Um, maybe I'm the only one out there. And I really enjoy that they only did three seasons. Um, as they said when they sort of announced this third and final season, like, they can't be lost in space forever. <laughs> like, the family's been through enough trauma. Did they announced that from we really the jump? Need them to... Sorry? Did they announce that from the jump that it was only going to be um, three seasons? I don't. I know. I think it was from the second season. Okay. They were like, look, like this family's been through a lot of trauma. If we just keep on going, like this is the original Lost in Space was a lot. Ho- Camp, uh, I don't want to say ho- campier, campier, funnier, like, you know, monster of the week ish. The, the Lost in Space series is real, like, like heavy sci-fi, very like scary situations, but it's all about like solving the next problem. It's basically the Martian, but a family <laughs> um, out in, in another galaxy trying to figure out how to solve these issues as they come up. So that's one of the things I love about the show is that there's they, it's like, okay, what's the next problem to solve? But yeah. I just, it's one of, it's to that type of sci-fi. I really, really enjoy. Um, and I'm waiting for the end of um oh it's that show from that book also sci-fi done last season you know that show from that book amazon. the expanse i am on amazon <laughs> the expanse we both really loved it. one of your favorite things in the world <laughs> yes yeah you know what it's like a classic kate it's, okay it's this early. is why we stopped doing shows so early in the morning because my brain <laughs> has not caught up with my mouth we are still we're still in the boot boot cycle. It's not. We're not fully fired up yet. Where's her team? Um, expand the expand. It's actually in front of me. Chris very quietly, stealthily got me my tea, but it's very hot. I already burnt my mouth twice because I'm dumb. <laughs> um, <laughs> the expanse. So I'm waiting for the because it's in its final season. I'm waiting for it to end 
to watch the last two seasons because what kept on happening is I'd watch a season and then be desperate for like a week for the next season, even though I knew it wasn't coming for another year. (laughs) And I was like, I don't want to do this to myself. Y'all, this is what I've learned about Caitlin over recent months of doing this podcast is she is a dope sick fiend when it comes to content. And if she can't finish her story, it's a, it's a bad time. (laughs) It's bad. We got to lock her in a room and just let her detox for like three weeks because it's true it's just better to let her just wait she can miss she can miss the discourse she does not she does not want to be a part of it until she can see it all so we two Mm -hmm. seasons of the expanse to get through because she does not does not want to have to wait no no it's i get i get sweaty more than usual (laughs) Uh, i'm really warm she gets the story shades irritable (laughs) again all more than usual yeah um yeah, so I'm excited for – there's a bunch of stuff I'm forgetting I know as well. I'm actually going to a movie theater to see Dune this week. Oh, boy. Yeah, teen, I'll tell you how that is. The teens love Dune, Kate. Dune's a, Dune's a, bonafide, Dune's a bonafide phenomenon at the end of the year here. Q4. Well, I hope, I hope people either – I don't know how the how – good the movie is at reflecting the themes of the book or and or books depending on how far you're going to go into it um i hope they take a lesson with that all all i will say uh chris and andy devoted a lengthy uh segment about dune this week um and (laughs) the one comment that i loved was you have to be a bit of a freak to make a movie like dune and denny villeneuve is a bit of a freak (laughs) yeah so for sure i'm very excited so there's lots coming and so the your question of is is uh bebop gonna be like top of the list uh probably not no no it will not be so look forward to jordan's bebop updates through the month of november and the back half of the year well that's what you're excited about that you have to wait for you have to wait what are you already watching we know one thing I'm already watching, which is Midsummer Murder, because there's like 22 seasons 400 of 400 episodes. And the, the episodes, I kid you not, are an hour and a half to two hours. Oh my God. Yeah. Caitlin. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I will like actually, I won't even watch a whole thing. I will pause it halfway through <laughs> and come back to it. And I don't do that how, with my my stories, as we, as we know. Sorry, how long is a series? How many um, episodes? Like six. Okay, that's not. Te- I was thought you were going to tell me they were like twenty episode seasons of ninety minutes no. apiece. I was like, my god, no. Caitlin. No, um, I don't know if the format changes. I actually haven't read much about the production changes. Well, the one thing which is that someone who worked on the show for a long time was actually very racist. And when people were like, hey, this show's super white, even for England, he was like, well, <laughs> that's what people want. They oh, want a super oh, white English oh, show. Oh. And people were like, what? He's yeah. like, yeah, that's, yeah, you're not going to see people of color because mm. this is an English show. Mm. And that's what our audience wants. Mm. And then people were like, oh, oh no. So then he was, he was fired, and then which is good. We did not or hear left or from something. He, he was vanished. He was Thanos snapped. Yeah. 
Um, I just thought it was like a, a 90s issue. And then as it goes into the 2000s, you're like, oh, the show, these, these like, yeah, I like my British stuff. But there, there's much more to being British than just white. <laughs> um, anyways, uh, so I, of course, I'm watching that. Um, and then I've also started watching a show called Inside Job on Netflix. Inside Job. Yeah, it is uh, animated. I know nothing about the production. Um, and senior correspondent Chris initially, we saw the trailer for it, and I was like, "Oh no, I don't. I think I know what this is going to be. It's just going to be a show that's super stressful for me." Um, it it's centered. The story centered around like the show is off the fucking wall, but it's about a, a female scientist who runs this. Uh, shadowy uh, organization that controls the world. Oh my God, it's a um, Caitlin McKinnon Mad Lib. She's sort of, she's sort of. Thank you. Um, she's sort of a mad scientist type. Um, she has no people skills. She has very little hygiene. Um, she's a mess, and uh, a, a bland white male without qualifications is brought on to co-lead the team with her. Um, and I was like, oh, this is just going to be, it's going to be, uh, what's it called? Uncle Bob? Is that that movie with, what's his name? Is Uncle Bob that Jordan. movie with what's his name? <laughs> you know, Ghostbusters. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> Bill Murray. What about Bob? What about Bob? Yeah, there we go. Um, I hated What About Bob. I think you were conflating What About Bob and Uncle Buck, which was amazing. What About Bob is just, it's the, I I cannot, I watched that movie once and it left me scarred. Just, (laughs) it's one of those, it's the classic like 90s idea of like, let's put this poor person into the situation where someone's awful and everyone loves them and you just get to see their mental health deteriorate. Right. Like that is, I was worried it was going to be that. And it isn't, um, it doesn't about face in the first episode. And from then on is fantastic. And it has all these, like, like if you, like, if you, if you go through the scene too fast, you miss it kind of jokes, Mm. um, which I love. Um, and I love spotting things and, and they are, they are some dark jokes as well, which I also love. Um, it's really well written. I've watched three episodes and it's been really good so far. Um, so yeah, we have another fun cartoon to watch. Um, and then I watched the movie. I I honestly can't remember if I brought, if I've brought it up just in passing or not, but, uh, Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar. I don't recall if you, I don't recall if we ever talked about it on mic or not. It was... It was uh, a lot of fun. <laughs> it was it was a real tit flapper, did, did, did and it, it was did it flap your titties, King. It did, um, and I really enjoyed it. Um, I thought I might just because it seems so fucking weird and zany, um, and it was it did it lived up to my expectations, which is great. Um, yeah, that's that's oh that's 
that I watched. And then um, senior correspondent Chris wanted to watch the 2016 Ghostbusters. You had seen that um, before, hadn't you? I had seen like the first, I think, 15 minutes. And I was like, eh. Um, but it, I, I was like, yeah, sure. Um, of course, this is the one starring Kate McKinnon, Melissa McCarthy, Kristen Wiig, and Leslie Jones. Um, and uh, it, it was good. I don't know why people – well, I do know why people Kate, hated it Caitlin, so much. I'm Caitlin. not – I'm sorry. I, I know why people hated it so much. It's because they're ladies. Um, and misogyny is doing fine. <laughs> uh, and, you know, it actually, it was, it was really good until the, like, ghost fighting showed up. And then there was a lot of questionable decisions. Um, and... The, but the cast was great. Weirdly, even though I love Kate McKinnon, I thought Kate McKinnon was the weakest link in the cast. Also, I thought Leslie Jones was fantastic. Um, I don't think she got enough praise for her role. Um, but yeah, it was it was a fun, stupid family movie, and it was it was cool. And there were like actual. Sp- it didn't steer like steer away from spookiness. Like in the original Ghostbusters, there's a couple like spookyish scenes. Um, so that was really good. Caitlin, yeah, it was fun. Did it have yeah. Did it have a theme song with a rap break that summarized the entire plot of the movie? Um, it it might have actually. <laughs> I think no. During the ghost fight scene, I think it was the ghost fight scene. There was. Uh, Fallout Boy was doing a Ghostbusters-ish song, and there was some sort of rap break. But at that point, I was very confused by some of the ghosts that had shown up. There was a giant voodoo witch doctor ghost, and I couldn't figure out why. And I kept on being like, you know those things that pop you out of mm. whatever media you're you're consuming? <laughs> you're like, what? what was this choice? And I kept on coming back to it. Every time I saw the large voodoo witch doctor ghost, I was like, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what's going on here. Um, yeah, but it was fun. It was, yeah, it was just a fun time. Does it live up to the original? Of course it doesn't. It's a, it's a classic for a reason, um, but it was fun. And that's it. That's everything I watched because oh, Midsummer right. Murder is taking up a lot of my time. Oh, man. It's going to be a... <laughs> going to be a rough winter y'all when every update is just another 15 episodes of midsummer murders what do i have continuing to play miles morales that game made me gasp this week (gasps) oh his mama found out (gasps) that's what i did made me gasp that's what i did (laughs) he comes home from some some battle he's all beat up genki's helping him in the house he's like i'm gonna go get some bandages and then his mama comes in and she's like oh my god what happened to you and she looks down and is like and what are you wearing? And I went, <gasps> his mama found out. Uh, those games are great. Well-established. We don't need to continue. Uh, I don't need to spend, I don't need to Midsummer Murders the next uh, two weeks of playing Miles Morales <laughs> and telling you how great it is. I will say one thing I didn't, one thing I, that delighted me. Um, and again, it's, you know, again, it's the hottest takes on, you know, 2020 on shit everybody already knew. But there's 
my favorite part of these games are the suits, unlocking different suits to wear. It's dumb, but it's the same reason why I love doing the uh, Hostess Club mini games in Yakuza, right? I just love, I just love to dress up my characters. Um, obviously, because Miles Morales doesn't have as lengthy a comics history, there are only so many suits you can give him. because he he's, he's had the one classic suit, really, like a couple. Um, but there's one suit. It's called the Spider-Verse suit, and he looks a little odder, a little slimmer. Um, but each suit has a power or like a perk and some of them are pointless. Um, in the classic, in the Peter Parker Spider-Man game, there was like the animated suit where he looks like he's cell drawn and the perk is, the perk is he like cracks more jokes. Like, oh, that's um, a great perk. The perk in the Spider-Verse suit is the frame rate drops. So he moves like he's in the movie. That's amazing. It's pretty fucking cool. And I was like, that's, that's dope. Cause you know, Spider-Verse had the kind of like jerky animation cause the frame rate was lower. Um, the frame rate just for him drops to like 24 FPS. So he, that's really fucking moves cool. more like it, like an animated movie. Um, nice touch like that. Other things I'm playing on the mobile side of things. This was a little odd. I just, you know me, I'll be flipping through Instagram and I'll keep seeing something. I was like, what is this? And it's another, listen, the only things I ever play are really like kind of like turn-based, you know, gotcha RPGs. And this one is called Dislight. It is by a company studio called Lilith Lilith Games, I believe. And it's another one of these like, you know, RPGs, collect characters, you know, grind for gotchas and try to pull the strongest characters and then farm for materials to make them stronger in player versus player and stuff like that. And, and then do it all over again. And then do it all, and then, then another game comes out, and you do it again. Um, this one is still in beta, I believe. It's in an open beta just on Android. I don't think it's on uh, iOS yet. But the one thing I will say for this game is it just has a much different look than I've seen. And it's not innovating anything. It has all the same modes as all these other games. In some ways, it suffers because when it comes time to farming, a lot of these games will let you skip. You know? Like, you don't have to actually go through and do the battle. You can just, like pick the stage you want and then skip it and get the materials. If you've already done it once, this game doesn't have that. So that's already proving a drag. And I hope they get to that in future patches, but just the look of it, the music is like, it's real sleek and futuristic urban type thing, but not like hard sci-fi. Like it's more like got like real, like graffiti feel to it. And, uh, an odd blend of like figures from like, Egyptian mythology and folklore and some Greek and some, uh, Chinese, um, just really interesting look on the characters. And I've been, uh, having, it does some interesting things and the visual look is definitely the, uh, the key, uh, key component there. Like to do the gotcha, you have to scratch a record to do it. (laughs) Like they're called, you collect records, silver and gold. And then you like go to the turntable and like, you have to spin on your phone to do the gotcha. Dumb, but interesting. And not a lot. Of, <laughs> I haven't seen other games do this. So all these games ultimately are just dumb little distractions. But this one is a more interesting dumb little distraction than the other ones that have like just like, you know, sword and armor and shit like that. Um, what else is out there? Uh, because it's spoopy season still technically today. I pulled down a giant brick of Junji Ito's collected Tomie. That I hadn't even really dug into since I bought it. And you know what you get with Junji Ito. Junji Ito uh, never surprises and never disappoints. That's probably the best way to. That is. He, hey. To he's another Junji very Ito. consistent man. 
you know you are going to see some creepy ass shit. Tomie is the first thing he did. So that's why it's interesting to me is uh, like seeing people's early works. Um, and you can tell like his panel layouts aren't as good as they became. His lines are a little thicker. His inking's a little murkier. Um, he definitely got a much clean, cleaner line as he developed. Um, mm-hmm. But I mean, and I also didn't know that the Tomie stories, the Tomie is basically an immortal succubus, I guess is the <laughs> succinct elevator pitch. Right. She's a character that cannot be killed and can possibly clone herself and can also never die. Um, and always makes men or women fall in love with her to the point where they end up murdering her. And then the cycle continues. Hooray. Um, Hooray. And the first story is basically about her <laughs> entire high school class uh, dismembering her. That's nasty. You know, oh. fun. Um and then she shows up to school the next day because that's what Tomie does. And everyone, and then everybody loses their mind because it's like, we did this thing and now she's here and what's happening? And I also wasn't expecting it to be as sequential as it is. I'm only, I'm only in like the first two or three stories. But there is a continuation, sort of, which I wasn't expecting. I thought it was just always like, you know, Tomie was the wandering gunslinger type of thing. Like she just shows up and ruins somebody's life and gets killed and moves on somewhere else. Yeah. Gets killed, resurrects, and moves on. Um, listen, for this season, there is there are a few things better than Junji Ito. I, and I've said this before. This is not my jam. Horror, gross stuff is not really a thing I'm into anymore, but I just love his stuff so much, and I can't explain it. I don't know why. He's, because he taps into, you would think a snail with the head of a girl <laughs> is not as creepy as it is. But it taps into this weird, unconscious creepiness. It's not jump scares. It's it's something more of what's the word for it? Like unsettling. It's just just but it's deeply unsettling. Like like you know, you just you kind of want to look, but if you know if you look too long, it will literally haunt. Your days, I still get freaked out thinking about Snail Girl. A girl at work was asking me about the uh, the animated um, series, and she's like, I heard it wasn't very good. I was like, it's not that it's bad, because the stories are still the stories, and the stories are good, but... And I grabbed one of them from off the shelf. It's like, the animation is never going to come close to this. And I just pulled open a picture of, like, you know, the fashion model, you know, like... Like this is what he draws. Animated, it's never. It's going to be creepy, but it's never going to be as unsettling as this. Um, although, should be said, related slash news. Although it's not new news. Um, the much stalled Adult Swim financed uh, Uzumaki anime got like literally they threw up like a forty-five minute clip, um, which oh. and we haven't seen anything. Not forty-five minutes. Uh, forty-five seconds. Um, <laughs> I figured that's what you meant. We haven't we haven't seen anything since it was announced, um, and we really only saw a little bit. I guess COVID hit him really hard uh, and slowed the production pretty much to a standstill. And even the guy who was like giving his very Japanese apology uh, in this video was like, "That's not all we have done. <laughs> there are lots of things we could have shown." Like really, like assuring people that like that forty five seconds is not all they fin- they finished, um, but it's in black and white really thin lines and y'all like Caitlin was saying, finding the things that 
don't seem creepy but are, never forget Uzumaki was about evil spirals. Little swirlies. Little devilish swirlies. That's what Uzumaki was about. It's creepy mm. as fuck. Mm-hmm. So, Junji Ito, you're always the prince of my heart. I'm very excited to uh, get your collected cat diaries when that drops next month. The man loves cats. Brief anime update, because I only watch anime on Netflix. Uh, for some reason, don't know why. Watch the next episode of Comey Can't Communicate. Hey, Kate. Yeah. She still can't communicate. It's right there. Cool. In, it's right there in the title. Uh, that's going to get old soon. I think what made Hattori Bochi so charming to me was watching her struggle. And Akomi can't communicate. The title character is just kind of like a mute support. And you're watching the other people. Uh. And she doesn't really do anything. She tries to talk and goes like, and her eyes get big and that's it. And that's, you know, you can sympathize to a degree. But if she's just going to be this like cipher off to the side, who never expresses herself at all, even via like written communication, that's, I might not be down long term for that. Um, Also, as Pop said to me (laughs) yesterday. Why can't I stop watching Way of the House Husband? I I I don't know. It's probably because it's charming. Man, just like You're a little, a fi- just like a little five minute clip of him uh, getting involved at a uh, you know mall appearance drama of of those that Polycure sci fi show that his wife really loves, and they're giving away like an apron with the characters on it, ideally to a child. And because he looks how he looks, he ends up getting it for her anyway and getting a photo of him and his wife with them. Again, I just love their relationship. Um, And the live action side video series, which I don't even know what it is because there's no suggestion that he's a Yakuza at all in the live action stuff. He's just a dude around the house. He's just a house husband. But if you ever want to know how to smoke meat, he will teach you. And it will be filmed beautifully. You'll be like, I want to go smoke meat today. Um, also on the anime side, uh, I had built a display at work of manga. Right. Because we know the manga boom is here. We've talked about it many times, like never before, like nothing I've ever seen. And we didn't have all the things that I was directed to put on there, but we may have had other volumes. So all I did was I went through the list and I was like, what series do they want on this table? And went through, yeah, okay, Promise Neverland, My Hero Academia, Jujutsu Kaisen, you know, all the ones I'm expecting. And I see this other one. And I'm like, that's odd. Why are they going all in on that one? A few days later, I'm at home. I'm on the phone with Mr. Malash. I got the Netflix screensaver just going, you know, where it's telling me what's coming out. And I'm like, oh, that's why Netflix has an anime of it. This is Blue Period. Or Blue Period. I'm putting too much emphasis on period. This is Blue Period. Like time. Like not the punctuation. Um, Yes. We love... When anime takes the shonen approach for things that are decidedly not shonen. Yes, we do. So when a listless, kind of, not a near-do-well, but kind of just like, this is how life works. I'm just going to go into business, and I'll work at a company, and I'll do whatever, and I'll watch soccer with my friends, and I'm not really invested in anything around here. Kate, what happens when that guy discovers art? Oh, and he says, you know what? I'm not the most talented, but I can work harder than anyone else here. And I'm going to get into the Tokyo University of the Arts. 
That's what we're here for, Caitlin. That's what we're fucking here for. <laughs> Loved it. Oh my god, Blue Period is so fucking good. <laughs> I am I am hoping that someone gives this to me during the December time. During, during not and or February, time? which is the worst month. Um, it's. So it's basically like him joining the art club and then deciding that this is what he wants. And there'll just be these little moments that are incredible. Like he's got to convince his, he knows he's got to convince his parents. Like he's serious about this, but he's got to convince his parents. And his mom thinks he's serious, but like you have no future there. Like there's not, that's not going to, what are you going to do if you go there? And he draws, it's not like he's like exceptional from the jump. It's not like he has this inherent, you know, this latent ability he just needs to unlock. He draws he hands his mom a sketch he made of her and objectively it's not a very good sketch like it's fine but i mean it looks like you know she's been rendered in gta 3 like her hands are like bricks you know (laughs) stuff like that um but he's he gives it's this scene where he gives it to her and he's like i went to i was gonna do just like a portrait of you like any other kids do but i started drawing you here and she's like doing the dishes and he's like and I noticed you have all these rough patches, you have all these calluses and your hand and red spots on your hands from doing the dishes with hot water. And then I thought about how we always have fish or meat every other day and you always take the smallest piece. Like he sees her in a way he didn't before because he was drawing her. And he's like apologizing to her for being a shitty son because he never noticed this thing, these things before. <laughs> Art will change the world. It and like he, they both start crying, and I'm like, "Oh my god!" Show like, <laughs> calm down, Blue Period. And what surprised me even more, and I'm sure there are little tells throughout. And if I went back and looked, I'd probably catch more. But there's a gender fluid character, and it's not a big. Normally, anime will kind of pat itself on the back when there's just a quote-unquote gender-fluid character that, like, is just a guy who wears makeup or he's a little feminine or things like that, but they don't really have a life, and they're not developed, you know? They're just a supporting character, and they're there to add some pizzazz. But there's this character, and it's a friend. uh, The the main character's name is Yatora. Um, It's someone he's known uh, from growing up, from middle school or something, and I guess when you see them, you immediately think they're female and or cis female rather and but then maybe I would not notice immediately that the next day they're wearing the male uniform or there was a them pronoun in the subtitles that I went as you're reading it but like and then when you see this scene later on in the third episode where Yatora and a couple of these people from this prep school that he's attending to learn, you know, I think he's decided he's going to special in oil painting. <laughs> yes. Picture specialty. Um, he goes to this museum exhibit. He's never really been to museums before. He's trying to like develop his style. He's basically been told like imitation is a great place to start. Like if you're just starting mm-hmm. out, start by imitating, find the things that connect with you. So he's just going out to find the things that'll connect with them. And he sees this character who he calls Ryuji. And there's a blip in an earlier episode where they say like, you know, don't call me that because other people, uh, call them Yuka-chan and like, I'm adult. So this would not really connect. None of it really hit me in, in the first viewing, but he sees Yuka-chan and another dude, um, 
and they're like crying and the dude walks away and they're sitting on a bench and Yatora goes over to him and sits down and is like, you told him you're a guy, huh? And I'm like, what? what? <laughs> and it's just played really sweetly because he's not, Yatora's not a dick to them. He doesn't get it per se, but he's like, you know, the show allows Yuka to have this moment where for anime is kind of impressive where it's impressive in that it's at least something, you know, it's a very low floor, I grant, but gives them the chance to say when Yatora says it would be easier for you if you just, you know, dress like a guy. Right. And gives them, and then gives Yuka the chance to go like, what's even the point of that? What's wrong with how I live? What's wrong with a man loving another man? Like what's wrong with being a woman? Like <laughs> gives them the space to say that. And I was really impressed that it did that. And I was like, totally, and then I'm totally invested in Yuka Chan's like my favorite character now. I don't know how they would not be anyone's favorite character after watching them in this scene. So Blue Period is week to week. I'm having the same problem Caitlin is having now where I'm like low key. Like, do oh, I just want to no. leave this? <laughs> right. <laughs> so I just want to leave this for the next like two months and then hit it once it all drops. But uh, very surprised by how good Blue Period has been. And like Kate said, art. That's the point. It's really made just making the argument that this kid who saw the world very gray, this is such a clunky analogy, but that's literally how it is. He just saw the world as very gray and flat and art opens him to new ways of seeing. And goddamn, if you can't get behind that notion, what are we doing here? You know? Basically, this whole podcast <laughs> is about the art we love. Basically, so of course we're going to love a work of art that's about loving works of art. And on that note, we'll put a pin here. And when we come back, we'll talk about works of art that are not good, but we love them nonetheless. Friends, Crapathon is here. And we're going to get into it with my first pick after this break. everyone and welcome back to the show this is the half of the show where we talk about the things we have brought each other this month of course is a month that jordan mm. enjoys and mm. caitlin also enjoys but maybe not quite as much as jordan <gasps> how dare you it's november crapathon oh my god i love it so much um but before we get into the selection of crapathon-esque media uh we have some rules mm-hmm the first rule being the rule of three, which is if the thing comes in parts, we will watch three of them. But this doesn't, so that's okay. The second rule is hashtag save it for the pod. That's the rule that uh, we will not talk about the thing we have watched until we are sitting in front of these microphones. Did Kate even watch it? I don't know. She didn't tell me anything. No idea. Nope. I didn't scream at him through the internet. Nope. Though I may have wanted to. <laughs> Um, and the third rule, which isn't a rule, it's just a policy, is that there will be spoilers. So if you haven't seen this movie from 1986, yeah, then uh, then you maybe should go watch it or or should leave or just not care about spoilers this time. Get prepped for the reboot, y'all. <laughs> it's coming. It's coming. Um, 
And with that, let's get into it. So a few weeks ago, Caitlin had mentioned the film The Last Starfighter. That's something she had watched. I think maybe senior correspondent wanted to watch it, and she got her first exposure to The Last Starfighter. I don't even know if I've seen The Last Starfighter, but for some reason, that movie and the movie we're going to talk about right now were always just kind of paired in my brain. Kids in spaceships. <laughs> it's just always, always just got paired in my brain, because I think they released around the same time. And I had friends who went out and saw The Last Starfighter, and for some reason, I did not see The Last Starfighter. I saw this movie. So this is the movie that was in my brain. And when I, last weekend when she was here, I said, Kate, let's watch the trailer for this real quick. If you, you have no exposure to this movie at all, you don't even know it existed. Let's watch this trailer. I barely remember it from only when I was a child. And I fired up the trailer, and we watched it. And for a brief second, I went, did I fuck up? Is this movie actually rad? I don't know that it is. I don't know that it is, but we're going to find out. Friends, the movie is Flight of the Navigator. This is a 1986 American science fiction adventure film directed by Richard Kleiser, written by Mark H. Baker, blah, 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 who cares? It stars Joey Kramer as David Freeman, a 12-year-old boy who was abducted by an alien spaceship and transported from 1978 to 1986. Flight of the Navigator is notable for being one of the first Hollywood films to use extensive CGI effects. Specifically, it was the first to use use of image-based lighting and an early use of morphing in a motion picture. That would be before the T-1000, a couple few years before that. The film is also known to be one of the first Hollywood productions to feature an entirely electronic music film score composed using a synclavier. Shouts to you, Alan Silvestri. Not even gonna lie, I think that's what confused me about how rad this movie might have been, because all that soundtrack needed was a Japanese woman singing over it, and I would be on Discogs right now <laughs> purchasing it wherever I could. Flight of the Navigator has since become a cult classic and has a large cult following among science fiction and Disney fans. Yes, friends, this is technically a Disney movie, although they did not production did not uh originate with Disney, it was not a Disney original. They kind of uh agreed to distribute it after production. Uh, although in September 2017, Walt Disney Pictures announced that a reboot of Flight of the Navigator was in the works. Kate. Yeah. You had no exposure to this movie at all. Nope. Nope. Did it meet the Crapathon threshold? Um, it, it didn't meet it until <laughs> Paul Rubens really showed up. So to this day... I don't think I realized that it actually was Paul Rubens. I think even as a child and even in my recollection of this movie, I thought it was someone doing a bad Paul Rubens impersonation. Right. Because he's listed as Paul something else. Paul Mall or something like that. Yeah. Which was apparently, yeah, according to IMDb, that was his idea. So friends, to situate you, um, young David has a very contentious relationship with his younger brother. It's a, probably a very... uh astute depiction of the older younger brother oh, yeah. dynamic about age 12 12 and how old how old do you think jeff is seven maybe yeah um they're very you know antagonistic towards each other and uh, basically <laughs> i did not realize uh, things i didn't remember about this movie i remember the basic premise um right which, sorry to interject, but the basic premise is amazing. It's pretty solid. It's pretty solid. Yeah. And I think like that's someone had a really, really good premise and they're like, oh yeah, this is going to be good. But they did not have the rest of the story. Sorry, continue. They really didn't. Like literally nothing happens in this movie. 
Nothing. There, there is no antagonist. No, there is, not at all. No, maybe it's no. The, maybe it's NASA. <laughs> maybe it's the scientists, but they really they needed to go in harder. They needed to take a lesson from ET and yes. go in harder. Um, so on their way back from just an outing, oh no, dog frisbees. That's what it was. I forgot the movie. The movie <laughs> leans really hard into these like things. You know, you're gonna watch a spaceship movie, so really like, hey, what's that disc flying through the sky? And then a dog leaps into the shot and grabs it because it's like the South Florida dog frisbee championships which is, is that a thing can i still go to that oh, like who knows i mean it's florida anything could happen in florida right so i forgot it was set in florida and when they're driving back and the two kids are like yeah, 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 like punching each other in the back back of the station wagon when jeff goes hey can i hop out here and go play at billy's house i did not realize that these were like backwater swamp children like there's where are they <laughs> In that scene. They're in Fort Lauderdale. Fort Lauderdale, apparently. But it's like a fucking dirt road and nothing but bush on either side of it. (laughs) These kids are just like swinging a spare tire around and Jeff wants to go play with them. Seems like a good idea. Um, But later in the night, they're like, David, you got to go get your brother. And he's like, man, I hate him. I'll kill him. You know, movies don't show how like kids actually be anymore. Yeah, I know. Young kids, especially like in the eighties, were like constantly threatening murder on each other. Like yeah. they just didn't like, understand I, I will strangle you in your I sleep. I will like. kill you. So <laughs> to, to hear kids in a movie actually say this to each other, it's kinda like, damn, yeah, it do be like that sometimes. Um so they send they send David to go get Jeff. He's walking through these like bushes out to wherever the swamp children are located and uh, Jeff jumps down from a tree and scares him and he's got the, they also have this dog bruiser and basically Jeff runs off. He scares David. Ha ha. Bruiser's barking at something. David goes over to see what Bruiser's barking at. David falls just kind of down a hill a little bit. And then just like, he just wakes up and he goes back to his house and some woman's living there in his old house. This like old retiree couple, although what's his name? Larry, whoever's hold caked up in his, uh, in David's old room. Mm-hmm. He has the life I want. <laughs> that man was just silk bathrobe, easy listening on the hi-fi. Yeah. Walls lined with books and records. I was like, Larry, you're doing it right. So basically, yes, something happened. And our boy David has uh, been transported while not having aged to the year 1986. Eight years later, uh, you come to find out that this is because a passing spaceship from the planet Phalon has is just kind of like uh, taking samples of other uh, life forms from around the universe, learning what it can, um, and then depositing them at the moment. You know, taking them back to Phalon. Does he take them back to Phalon? Is that where the time travel bit comes? Yes, they take them back to Phalon to study them, and now it's bringing them back. And the goal is that they always deposit them back at the moment they were taken. But apparently the human physical constitution is too weak enough to withstand time travel. Mm-hmm. So we couldn't do it. And also the spaceship apparently spun out somewhere. The spaceship is sentient, it should say. It's kind of sentient. It's kind of AI based. Yes. Um, and it looks like a like a, a silver teardrop kind of. And he spun out and he hit an electrical pole and he lost all his star charts. All the data that he had to get back to Phelan is gone and they're in David's head. So he's trying to lure David back because, because as, as an experiment, just because humans only use 10% of their brains, they just downloaded a bunch of shit (laughs) in his head for fun. It's like, let's just see how much we can fit in here. Uh, 
So all this stuff is now in David's brain. David doesn't really know what's there or how to do it or how to do anything with it. Um, so the spaceship is trying to call him back to get the information off of uh, David's head so we can go home. That's basically, I guess, the conflict. And meanwhile, David gets picked up by the cops and they take him back to his family who are now all like, you know, eight years older. His little brother is like 16. Um, and also whatever actor is playing old Jeff is like, I always thought at that time and still do is like, that's what eighties teendom I thought was supposed to be like, right. You're supposed to have a spike on your part, the part of your hair. You're supposed to have a short sleeve button up with rolled up sleeves and a little bit longer rat tail in the back. Like nine year old Jordan thought that was what teenager (laughs) dumb would be like, um, (laughs) shooting fireworks (laughs) off the roof of your house. And so then NASA gets informed in there. And when they're running tests, no, they take him to a hospital first and the image of the ship kind of gets pulled out of David's brain. This brain yeah. scan they're doing on him that gets not NASA's attention. NASA grabs them. They just want to do tests, but they're not really super like, you know, evil about it. Like Kate said, they're not ET evil about it. No. Um, but basically David escapes. He gets called to the spaceship, gets on the spaceship. Um, and the like little someone said it looks very similar to the um oh, what was the name of the ship in Wally? Oh yeah. I can't remember, but yes. It's basically just the, like, like a like, AI in the yeah in the, on the ship, yeah. It's basically just like a like a an, an orb on a extended arm type of thing that kind of moves around the roof sort of thing. Um and when it gets the star shards compliant <laughs> sorry. This is the first time he did that. I was like, oh, my God, that was so, like, such a key moment of that movie for me. Like, sort of, like, what's embedded in my brain. Um, the the ship gets the charts off of David, but gets a lot of other residual static as well, and it fucks him up. So now he is talking like Pee Wee Herman. And at the time, it- as a kid, I thought this was like, oh, because this was the 80s and Pee Wee was kind of a thing. No, I don't even know if Pee Wee's Playhouse was on the air yet or if he was just, like, kind of performing as the character on stage shows at that point. But suddenly the ship is talking like Pee Wee Herman. And I did not know until I started looking up about this movie that it actually was Paul Rubens doing the voice. And it was his idea not to attach his name to it fully. Um, right. But yeah, when he goes completely off the rails and. <laughs> <sighs> and then they fly around for a bit and then they go home and then it's like, take me back in time. You might vaporize. Do it anyway. Okay. The end. You made it home. That's that's the plot. That's ninety minutes of your life, Kate. Yeah, tell me more about this movie for you. We've we've recapped the plot. We've gone through everything. What did you love about this movie? What stood out? What was awful? What was what was awfully um, awfully good? The the movie up until that part where like Paul Rubens really shows up is amazing. Like. Even the CGI, like, yeah, you're like, oh, wow. But for the eight, for 86, mm-hmm. I'm like, that's pretty good. Um, I, like, I even love the, like, compliance. <laughs> um, like, I'm going to be saying that forever now. <laughs> yeah, I just, yeah, it was good. It, it, hey, David did a good job. Like, the actor was really good. Like, his acting about, like, when he sees his parents and they're older and he's like totally fucking freaked out. That was like it was really good. Um, up until Paul Rubin showed up, and it was all like 
you know, fart jokes and like, <laughs> love, like, you know, like, oh God, I was oh, like, yeah, take, no, take I'm not e- here. Take it easy, man. <laughs> yeah. I was not here for it's, that. It's um, when he becomes rad for the kids. The kids talk that, like that. I was like, I'm out. Um, but yeah, they, you know, they did a good job. Um, with the CGI, with the like casting, with all of that. Um, but the, again, like I said, there, there is not a single like real antagonist or antagonistic situation or thing that they have to like go through for the happy end. You just kind of like plod along. Mm. Um so I kind of was expecting more things to happen. Yes, you could say that NASA and the government kind of near the end make it so that David has to be like, oh, I've got to go back in time because they're just going to lock me up and experiment on me for the rest of my days. Um, and I can't be with my family anyway. Um, but I kept on thinking of like the repercussions of time travel and I'm like, there is don't, a don't, time. don't spend too much. Don't spend too much time on that. <laughs> that did occur to me as I, well. I was like, there's, yeah, I'm like, there's a timeline where like David leaves and his parents lose him again. Like these people are shattered. Like I just, <laughs> and like the idea that parents would let their kid out of their sight for, any amount of time after him being gone for eight years. Listen, it was the seventies, Kate. It was. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, the government wants to take him and do experiments on him. All right. Um, but yeah, I just love the idea of. I mean, there's been a lot of sci-fi in the last. I'm going to say like 10, 15 years about people disappearing and then showing back, showing back right, up right, and right, not right. aging at all. It's a really interesting um, plot device, and I think they used it really well. Um, and used his confusion about, you know, the time and why Starsky and Hutch is, isn't on. Or what a, what a music like, video is. Like that. Yeah, yeah. What's, who's, twi- uh, who's Twisted Sister? Um, that kind of stuff I, I thought was really cute and well done. Um, and yeah, I just, it was, it was fine. <laughs> but Paul Rubens is that thing where I'm just like... I was like, I, I remember as a kid liking Pee Wee Herman, but I just, Pee Wee Herman now is just so grating. Um, <laughs> and I'm like, I think that's a kid thing, right? Like, you're like, this is wacky and crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and then when you're an adult, you're like, I would like some peace and quiet oh and God, to watch my old person mystery show on <laughs> BBC. Yeah. So it was, it was, like you said, that moment where you think like, oh, this movie actually is really good. What was Jordan doing? <laughs> Why did he give me this? And then that happens and I'm like, oh, I see. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a, like a skateboard video where they like get, get, they start off, they do the kickflip onto the, on the, the rail and then they're doing it. And then a third of the way down, they just fall off the skateboard and like sack themselves yeah. on, on the railing. It's like, <laughs> it's like great premise, great premise. You nailed the setup, but the follow through was. Execution was yes. pretty good. And then they're just like, oh, there is no plot. We have no, nothing for the protagonist to go through. There is no hurdle. <laughs> let's, I know, let's have Paul Rubens be Paul Rubens. That'll be the hurdle. <laughs> just clear the lane for. For Paul Rubens to voice this sentient spaceship and uh, just fat shame a guy at a gas station. Um, oh, my 
my god i know well there were two moments there was one where the what's his name used the r word that's what it was in the in the first five minutes yeah you want to know what a different time it is like in the first five minutes when the 70s quote-unquote 70s children are the younger one calls the dog the r word and i'm like oh my god (laughs) i know i was like whoa i forgot we don't do that the 80s um and then uh yeah when the robot the, the sentient robot takes the time to fat shame the poor gasperger who gives daniel <laughs> change out of his own pot like doesn't ask for it back daniel's like more can i have a, money to call my parents change. he's yeah. like sure he called the payphone and had enough for a nestle crunch bar like <laughs> you know the important stuff oh um yeah so uh, that was it was it was weird it was i have a score i have a score for like an actual the the most of the movie <laughs> which is like a seven mm. and then i have a, a a score for the paul rubens the, portion the, the yeah the middle third kicks. the middle third <laughs> yeah um and that is like it's like a five five <laughs> and then i'm very confused about this movie <laughs> because it was actually good but the bad part wasn't good whereas sometimes the bad part is good it's like it's like the inverse of you know that meme that image macro of the woman who's like making a scrunch face at first and then makes the oh face yes <laughs> it's the inverse of that it's like when you start the movie yeah. you have the like oh face and then you get to the oh. middle and you're like mm. like oh if they if slash when they remake this and they actually like whether they make it a show or a movie but when they put like an actual antagonist and a conflict and things like that it's probably going to be pretty dope um because you're right the setup is is sound even for you know 86 when this came out it still is like you said they keep they keep going back to this premise because that's how strong it is um so if they actually add you know more sophisticated storytelling instead of like, let's just have him fly around for 45 minutes. <laughs> and Paul do Rubens. wacky voices. And, oh, and have weird alien creatures. <laughs> it's quite, quite a menagerie he had collected there. And then he has that bat who has, God know what kind of weird alien diseases, but the bat's home planet has been destroyed. Yep. So again, um, speaking of the timeline in the ecosystem, I guess it's fine for him to take that thing with him back to 1978. I'm sure that'll be. Yeah. I'm sure, that won't have any negative impacts. Um, also, fun fact I found about this movie uh, in doing research to steal a uh, segment from the rewatchables called this half-assed internet research. Movie features a uh, the only person in this movie who you know, unless you're a real head of the class fan. Shouts to all my 80s babies. Uh, is Sarah Jessica Parker in a very early role as a NASA worker who brings David food in a yeah. sophisticated robot that looks like it was made out of cardboard. Um, <laughs> his name's Ralph. His name's Ralph, y'all. Yeah. Um, apparently, the AV Club was doing an interview with uh, Sarah Jessica Parker, and will they have a habit of asking um, actors about, you know, roles no one else will ask them about and they asked her about flight of the navigator and sarah jessica parker was just like so offended and appalled that they asked her about that she was legit just like are you seriously asking me about that what drew me to the part the paycheck <laughs> like like it was just flabbergasted that anybody would think to ask her about flight of the fucking navigator oh i always love when they ask them about like their first roles like hey when 
you watch something like Midsummer Murder from the 90s, every British actor shows up on it <laughs> who wasn't established then. So we got like, what's his face? Superman showing up. He did a great death scene. Well done. Um, and yeah, I see all t- types of people. I'm like, hey. Is it, is it the British Law and Order? Where just like every actor, every London-based yes. actor shows up, like every New York stage actor shows up on Law and Order? Yes, as long as that. Well, see, Law and Order at least has a little bit more prestige because, uh, like, actors you know, <laughs> um, like really know, like will show up like after they're famous to do like a guest role. Like Robin Williams, I think showed up once. Is that right? Homicide. Pretty sure. He did. Um. Anyway, so yeah, but they'll like maybe Charles Dance showed up in an episode. I don't know. A lot of old white. British males look well as, as established earlier in the show like. they damn sure were going to be white friends yes yes they were play the navigators on Disney plus peep that out if you're interested I, I say check it out just it's fun and you can skip over the Paul Rubens part it will and n- then the movie you're like oh this is a great movie this is a great 35 minute movie uh it will not take <laughs> up much of your time at all and we no. know how your man feels about a short ass movie let us know what you thought about it on Twitter at GeekdownPod. Get up off Twitter. Or if you have any other suggestions for Crapathon, I smack the ball back to Caitlin's court. Excited to see what oh. she's going to give me. Oh, she's. You, you you have forgotten what what I gave you. Did you already give me something? Yes, I did. Oh, man. I'll get that off mic. Friends, I'm as excited as you are. We hope you will join us for it. Thank you for spending an hour and change with us every week. It truly means the world to us, friends, crappy or not. My name is Jordan Ferguson. My name is Caitlin McKinnon. The theme song is by Rob Gasser, and I hope you will join us next week for another kind of okay episode <laughs> of the Geek Down Podcast. It'll be something. And November Crapathon. Don't laugh when I fuck up. It makes me laugh more. <laughs> Sorry. It just When you fuck up, it's never just like you start over. It's always like there's a scat. So because, I Caitlin, I'm, I'm veering off the road and the scatting is how I turn the wheel back to get back onto the road. Like when I pause, right, I'm, well, I'm mentally going off the road and then I have to go skip it to bap, bap, beep, 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 and it's the musical accompaniment <laughs> to taking the car off the gravel again. I will try my best. <laughs> Don't you, dare, don't you dare laugh when I scat. That would actually that would actually offend me more. Um. <laughs> <laughs>